0: Hello and welcome to the Retro Hour After Hours podcast, episode number 31, our monthly patrons exclusive podcast, just for our favourite people in the world, our lovely supporters. And this is a show that we do every month that can be a little bit different. Yeah, we kind of swap the format up, let our hair down a little bit. I'm Dan Wood. I'm Ravi Abbott.
1: And I'm Joe Fox.
0: And here we are at the end of January as we record this, which um, it does feel a long time ago that we last did one of these shows i mean that the arcade special that we did was before christmas I don't know about you guys. It feels like about six months ago now. Christmas.
1: Oh yeah, probably because I'm crawling to payday as well. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm still celebrating, so it's not that bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, Robbie's still going to Christmas parties every night. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if it has been a bit of a long crawl through January and uh, probably start of February when this show lands, and um, hopefully we are making your days a little bit brighter, and uh, you know, and have a bit of fun over the next hour or so, because today we're going to be doing something that um, so many people have said to us, either in person at events or on our socials or when we do the patrons' hangouts or comments on videos that we do, it's always like, come on, guys. You need to get Joe and Amiga. Mm-hmm. Get him on there. Get him playing some games. Come on, initiate him into the club. So we're kind of going to be doing that today, aren't we? I think it's indoctrinating.
2: Uh, indoctrinating. Yeah. <laughs> kidnap me. To the religion. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah.
0: we've done lots of episodes about other systems. We've done, like, you know, our top super nintendo games top playstation games but really you know the amiga which uh, is a guest kind of you know the retro Owl came out of ravi and i's youtube channels which were mainly amiga focused back then and um actually i think we were at the amiga 30 event in amsterdam slightly worse for wear when we actually came up with the idea of doing the retro Owl podcast so um you know the amiga's got um a you know, lot, lot to thank the the amiga 4 for this podcast so and the reason that we didn't ever do a, an exclusive Amiga episode of this is because, you haven't really got much of a background in the Amiga.
1: There's no background, unfortunately, yeah. um, or fortunately, depending <laughs> <laughs> how you want to <laughs> look at it. No, um, I...
0: I was going to ask, actually, did you ever actually see an Amiga grown up? Did you know anyone that had one or, or, or did you not know about them? So until, I didn't, like, you know, so n-
1: from hanging out with you guys and seeing them and stuff like that, like, I wouldn't have known really what an Amiga... I always knew the name Amiga and I always kind of like... I think I knew it was a computer and it wasn't a console. But I didn't... If you'd asked me a few months ago or maybe a few years ago, I would have said, oh, I've never played one before or anything like that. But I I don't want to spoil it all too much. But a lot of memories have come flooding back recently um, from Mm. having played one now uh, a little bit more. (laughs) And because of that, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? So-and-so did have one, and we did play this game on it, if that makes sense. Right. I don't want to spoil, like, my list, you know, like, my favourite games <laughs> and stuff like that. So, yeah, well, I, the vague memories and recollections of playing them a little bit. Hmm. But generally, you know, whenever I kind of say, like, you know, oh, I do a podcast to somebody at work or whatever, I say we talk about retro games and stuff like that, they always go, what about Amiga? You know, like, yeah. especially, like, you know, I don't. I don't want to say you guys are old or anything like that. But if they're kind of like in their late thirties oh, or <laughs> early forties or something, they if the, go, hair's gray, if the hair's going grey. If the hair's going grey, they always talk. They always go, "What about the Amiga? What about the Amiga?" And for me, I mean, I was born. We have a. I think it works for the show well because I don't want to be like, "Well, I'm younger than you guys." But obviously, the Amiga. When did the Amiga come out? Like the 500. Um,
0: or something? Um, well, it would be 1989. Yeah, t- t- At 87, the A500 came out, but I think its, it's peak year was 89, 90, 91. Yeah, might yeah, yeah. And and
1: 93, 94. You know, it's easy It's yeah. easy for me to sit here and say, well, I missed it because I was born in 89, but then I didn't miss the Mega Drive and I didn't miss the SNES and stuff. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's yeah. just circumstances that that's what they, they would, we had consoles kind of thing like growing up. Um, but yes, I've got vague recollections of playing them and playing some games on them. And it's all kind of come flooding back since uh, you came over the other day, Dan, and set
0: me up. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, because I've got an A500 Mini. Yeah. And I thought that was probably a good way to kind of introduce Joe to the Amiga. You know, so you've got a console background. And originally, Joe's like, well, I'll emulate and, you know, just download some ROMs. But obviously, the Amiga being a computer, it's quite tricky to get emulation set up unless you want to buy a solution like Amiga forever, that kind of thing. So you've got to, and the Kickstart ROMs are still copyrighted. It's not quite as easy as, you know, emulating the Mega Drive, for example. Yeah. So I said, well, I'm going to drive (laughs) one. Yeah yeah so it, there's a bit more to it than that. It's a bit of a hassle. Um, so the A500 mini is a great solution for people that want like an entry into the Amiga world really and mm. obviously it's consoleized you don't need to use a keyboard, you don't have to remember commands and all that kind of thing. You've got the menu and you can play it pretty much like a console. Yeah so you've been playing on the A500 mini, some of the included games in there as well, and there's uh, some other games too. but just to kind of give our backgrounds, I mean um, yeah I've kind of talked about this before, but I, I got an Amiga 500 plus. For Christmas 1991. That was kind of my introduction to the world of the Amiga. And then quickly afterwards, I remember like some other kids at school having Amiga 500s like in the year before. But then suddenly it felt like when we got to like 1992 in particular, it felt like pretty much everyone at my school that year got an Amiga. So, you know all my friends had like Amiga 600s or 1200s or 500s. Um, didn't know anyone that got a CD32. I was the only one that had one of those later on. But yeah, it just felt like for those few years between like 1992 to about 1995, everyone I knew pretty much had an Amiga. A lot of them also had like, you know, consoles like a, a Mega Drive or a Super Nintendo. But I think the real reason that most Amigas were sold then was because we all copied games for each other. So, you know, you, you buy the computer, pretty much your game library is going to be completely free. Which I've got to say, you know, today, now that we talk to a lot of developers on the podcast, it is something I do sometimes feel a bit guilty of. You know, if we have people on, I think, oh, I pirated your game back in the day. <laughs> I always make a point, you know, if they're doing like a new project, or they've got like a new game on uh, Steam or something, I'll always make a point of going to buy it, just to kind of say, you know, sorry, and put a few quid in the pocket. <laughs> but I think that was definitely a big part of it back then was, you know, parents knew that if they bought their kid an Amiga for like, you know, 300, 400 quid, they wouldn't have to be forking out, you know, 50, 60 quid for cartridges every few months. So that's kind of where it started for me then. And then I got my Mega 1200 for Christmas 93, um, CD32. I got uh, later actually 95, I got my CD32s for uh, 25 quid for two of them from a game shop. Yeah, which obviously you don't get those prices anymore. But that was kind of my background. And I know for you, Ravi, you actually came into it via your dad, really, didn't you? Yeah, so um, like, t-
2: t- to be honest, consoles weren't really around because we were quite poor back then and what ended up happening was like around my area people would have consoles but it would be a right scattered kind of selection of consoles you know you'd have one person with a NES who was quite rich and you'd be like where where did you get this what is this then Sega obviously dominated everywhere you'd have a lot of uh Master System 2s around Mm. uh, and then obviously the Mega Drive took over and stuff but that would always seem like the gaming thing for me. The Amiga was a, a a work machine, but it was like a creative one. So my first one that we had was an Amiga two thousand, and this was a, a, a souped up machine, like really. And they're they're big, like set like a PC, aren't they? They're like a PC, separate. yeah. And that's yeah. that's how I saw it. I saw it that you had your PC, you had linux or apple and then you had amiga that was the kind of thing you know it was like it was like the fourth kind of computer system to me um th- then i suddenly realized that games were available for it and uh my dad obviously showed me the legal routes of how to buy games i go into the shop and took me but he's well stingy so he was like you know he's like <laughs> one game a year son <laughs> and, and i and get that Think, what was your first game you got then? Do you remember? Oh, God. Uh, Wicked. It was called Wicked, which was a, a weird game, which was, maybe is. I think it might be Sygnosis, but it was based around uh, the corruption. So you'd have like one, it's based on all these astrological symbols and you had like one section of, uh, this face would be like evil and want to be good and then like the evil starts to go into the good area and you've got to stop the spread of it it was like I think it was like from 1989 it was quite an early early one of these early Amiga titles
0: I'm looking at it now yeah Electric Dream Software published it it came out on the Amiga ST and Commodore 64 Uh, so it's an RTS game then um kind of it's kind of like just a match shapes
2: and patterns kind of thing um Yeah, and I and I I was playing Wicked, and then I'd start to get into other titles, um, stuff like Lemmings later on, and I'd also be playing Lemmings on my other friend systems, like Acorns and stuff, and um, I'd kind of like suddenly realised, wow, this machine is really bloody powerful, like compared to you know the versions of stuff that I've been seeing on my mate stuff or playing on. I was like, wow, and then I started to realise, wait a minute, there's lots of ports for this so i i wasn't aware of stuff like road rash um coming out on there and then later on you know street fighter came out and stuff and i was like okay this machine that my dad's got that's a you know a machine we used to just draw animations on and play a few occasional games he got me this educational package called fun school um
0: I remember. That. Yeah,
2: that you'd have to play fun school and like, you know, do your times tables and stuff. So it was see it was kind of like a boring machine until I discovered the whole world of gaming and also until he kind of gave up on the machine. And uh I started like, you know, taking over the ones we had. So at one point we had four Amiga four thousands in the house. Um wow. one two thousand as well. And I'd not seen a five hundred or a twelve hundred. And uh, to be honest, a lot of my mates weren't talking about it at school. There was a few mm. occasional like leftover people um, from the kind of scene, but everything was Sega dominated by them.
0: Like, uh, it's interesting that our kind of backgrounds are different there because I, I never, I didn't, I think I saw an Amiga 1500 in Dixons once briefly they had it in there but i'd never seen a big box amiga until quite recently yeah you know, it was only ever amiga 500 600 and 1200s you know never saw an amiga 4000 in person until i got one about 10 years ago
2: i remember i used to have a best friend and he moved to wales and then he'd also come and play on my amiga so i was like okay have you got one over there and he said yeah i've got this amiga uh that like 600 I was like, what is one of those? And I saw it and it was tiny. And I was like, that's not going to be as powerful. But a lot of the games actually worked that worked on my 2000 on there. So we were like, wow, you can actually still play stuff. So I didn't even realise that there was this whole like lower end and that that people were using it. But there was always dodgy characters with floppy disks hanging around and you'd always get past a floppy disk that you'd go home and try. You know,
0: Yeah, I do remember some... Because uh, my, my, my uncle Mike... He worked with a guy, he actually worked for Securicore, you know, the security company, yeah. you go and collect like the the money from businesses. He worked for them. And he had a friend called Richard he worked with who would um, dial up all of the, basically the pirate bulletin boards. You know, he dialed up like the, you know, the Fairlight HQ and Skid Row and that, you know, in Norway and Sweden and all that kind of thing. So he'd always have the, the new Amiga games first. So my uncle Mike, like pretty much every two weeks, he'd give him a fiver. Um, Richard would give him, like, you know, five discs back with a few of the latest games that he copied on there for us. So that was really where we got most of our games from. And obviously, you know, other kids at school had a bit of a playground copy scene kind of going on. Um, in terms of original games, I only really used to get them on Christmas and birthdays, really.
2: Yeah, same. And like, I, most of my money would go on um, cover discs and magazines. Yeah, so I'd just buy magazines. I I'd thought, just yeah. buy magazines every single week. and And, and this would be like free. Magazines, so it would be like Amiga Shopper, Amiga Format, and CU Amiga, which is quite a lot of money if you think about it. Like nearly every week, so all my budget was going on that or on vinyl as well, uh, secondhand vinyl. But there were places like Electronics Boutique, um, Virgin Mega Stores were great for it as well. And like even in those kind of days when the Mega Drive was taken over, there were still shelves in the in the shops. You know, selling it. There was the Escom store as well. They'd taken over Amiga at the time, um,
0: but yeah, they were around about twelve months, weren't they? I think. they Yeah, years.
2: and then in in the case of a year, I think it was around when the PlayStation came out, or, or just before that, hmm. they all disappeared off the shelves completely. And I had to go to the only places I could get them was like this CD um, car boot sale at the at the racetrack, Colic. A racetrack, <laughs> or like an, a dodgy independent store in a in a red light district of the city, and it was like <laughs> literally they they just disappeared from the shelves overnight. Uh, the magazines didn't, but all the you know nicely boxed titles and stuff. So then you were just driven into piracy.
0: That's the thing, though. I, I found the same. Cause, I mean, I, I left school in '97, and what when the PlayStation came out was that '95. Yeah, and I remember quickly like. Yeah. Yeah, I remember a load of friends getting them as soon, you know, pretty much must have been that Christmas, probably Christmas 95, 96 as well. And I remember all my friends that had Amigas all of a sudden got rid of them and got PlayStations, you know, in our final like year or two at school. And I think, you know, there was me and my friend Barry were like the only ones that kind of kept hold of them. Um, so I used my Amiga 1200 as my main machine until, God, about two, 2000, 2001. I think it wasn't really until um, Windows XP came out. Because so, uh, I had a, had a PC with 98 on, but I hated Windows 98 at the time. So,
2: okay, I'm going to paint a picture for um, Joe of uh, how to kind yeah. of get a, get a game running, right? So <laughs> back, back in the days, you know, if you had a console, you would have got your cartridge, yeah. you would have put it in, and then you would have played your game. Yeah, you missed <laughs> an
1: important step blowing on it, but yeah. Blowing on it, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. But with the Amiga, some games you get and... Like you'd be able to play it straight off floppy, or you'd have yeah. to get another floppy disk and format that to be your save disk, right? Yeah. As well, so you'd have a blank one and you'd use that for your saves. Or sometimes you get a floppy disk um, with a, a hard drive installer in there. So um, inst- installation on the hard drive is very rare. But when you got it, sometimes it would be broken. There wouldn't be. There's a little program called Installer, and uh, that wouldn't be on there. <laughs> and you wouldn't be able to install it in your operating system. So I used to look around cover disks. I'd have this big set of cover disks, and you'd be hunting for two hours to try and find this one file to then copy over <laughs> to put in to your thing. And uh, if you've got enough space on your disk or, you know, on your on your tiny hard drive, and then you'd actually get it installing and running. And it was, it was an absolute nightmare sometimes um, just to get stuff running or... You know, you'd have your piracy protection as well, which was like a code wheel or these sheets where you'd have to look up and like they had some sheets where it was printed in like black text on black background and you had to look at it at like an angle and get a a code on like the fifth line down, the sixth one. And this is just to start the game and you'd have to do that every single time as well. So. Yeah, it was, it was a it, bit of a nightmare, <laughs> but you learn funny, how to do stuff, you know.
0: It's funny you mentioned about hard disk installations then as well, my first, I think, on my Mega 1200, which was the first machine I got with a hard disk in, I've got a feeling it was like 40 megabytes maybe, my hard yeah, disk Yeah, I think my
2: first was 30,
0: yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, so much room. <laughs> then I installed um, Secret of Monkey Island 2, and that took up, I think, 12 megabytes. Of my Jesus. forty, so that was like more than a, a quarter of the disk used just for one game. So yeah, and yeah, that would have been two
2: hundred and fifty quid, or yeah, hundred and fifty or something. You know, it would have been a big chunk of money um, spent on that thirty meg hard drive, and then you realise like nothing installs on this, or you know, oh, only I can only run a quarter of my programs on there, or or you know, so you'd have these like discs which were your like lifesaver discs with all all the tools on it, you know, no access to the internet or anything like that. It was all just taken from magazines or or weird, like, releases, you know.
0: And if you're talking about, like, you know, the most used programs on the Amiga, I used to mess around with, like, Deluxe Paint and stuff like that. But um, when we've done presentations at Amiga events, the only piece of software that's ever got, like, a round of applause from the audience was when I put um, X-Copy (laughs) Up on the screen. And that was a program that, you know, basically was, would let you copy games for your friends, X-Copy, you know, everyone kind of had a copy of that, tucked away in their disc box (laughs) at the back. It was was kind of of for lamers
2: though, because it was like, if you were cool, you already had a cracked version of it. Like you didn't need to crack it yourself, but it was kind of like, you know, it's like the home kind of home copying uh,
0: style. But if you watch any of the demo, like, you know, the videos of the old demo scenes and the Amiga events from back in the early nineties, when X-Copy finishes copying, it makes like a boom noise. And you can hear that going off pretty much every three seconds yeah. in the background of these videos, you know, these massive shows. And that would also on be
2: YouTube. because obviously someone bought a copy of the latest title and then just spread it around the show. Yeah. And everyone was like, <laughs> it hasn't been cracked yet. Just, you know, X-Copy it. Like.
0: So, I mean, uh, you know, we could talk a lot more about kind of the Amiga demo scene and, you know, utilities and all that. But this episode, we're going to be focusing on the games. Now, if you've heard any of our previous system episodes before you know that we kind of like to go through our top five games on each system but i think you know for me I, i was saying the guys earlier on i've actually appeared on other podcasts i think i've done this about four or five times now who you know they've wanted me to come on and we'll do like you know go through your top five amiga games and there's only so many times i can talk about secret of monkey island or lemmings and you know keep myself interested never mind anyone else so i thought i'd do this a little bit different and we've all kind of we're coming at this at different angles but mine is actually a it's a scientific list <laughs> i've how you say it's scientific <laughs> scientific because i've yeah. got it is based on science Einstein. i've got
1: the it's statistics. every game up. dan's ever completed ever <laughs> five <laughs> that wouldn't
0: that wouldn't make top five yeah but yeah i've actually got onto my um, cd32 which is my main gaming amiga and i've got like a an SD card in there with all the games on it. And I've looked at, because there's a program we use called iGame on there. And actually it shows you how many times you've loaded up each game. Yeah. So you can go on and actually, I've checked out my top five most played games on that system from over like the last, probably about three or four years, probably. So really this is the the top five Amiga games that I still play today. So I thought that would be quite a a different angle. Because you know, stuff like, Secret of Monkey Island, I used to play that all the time back then, but these days if I want to play I'll probably play the special edition version on the Xbox instead. It's not really the kind of thing I'll go back and play on the Amiga, but there are still some Amiga games, that you know, when I fire it up I will still play today, so that's kind of the the approach that I've gone for with this list How are you approaching this, Ravi? Because you're looking a bit different as well Um, I, you see I don't do that
2: much old school Amiga gaming, and I'd like to, you know, but um, I don't have the time, really Um You know, I'm doing loads of other stuff. I'd love to just, like, you know, take a week off and just spend a whole week playing Amiga games. It'd be great. But, um, you know, I'm using a lot of the modern systems. uh, uh, Like, well, modern, about 10, 10, 20 years old. But uh, the Amiga next generation ones. And they're cool because they've got versions of games that have a lot of improvement in them. But also I've put some games in this list that I would love to play more of. You know that the, uh, are these that new Amiga games then that you're talking uh, about? Mix, a mix, right. uh, some okay. new, some old, but you know uh, stuff with like more options and stuff like that. But also some games that I'd like to you know revisit myself as well.
0: Have you gone for it then? Joe? What, what, what's your <laughs> approach?
1: <laughs> wow, well, yeah, mine ones. I'm kind of winging it here. So obviously, I was playing the uh, the A500 Mini pretty much all last night, and then in the day, I was playing it with my daughter as well. Uh, Which I must
2: say is probably the best experience you're going to get, you know, um, because it's so easy to set up.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was was really, like, simple. You just switch it on and off you go kind of thing. Um, So played it all pretty much. Got sunk quite a few hours into it last night and had a brief go with my daughter in the day. She's only two and a half, so she only kept her interest for so long. And then just kind of memories which have kind of come flooding back. Um, I'm trying to stay away from, like, you know ports because of like it'd be easy for me to say another world and cheat a little bit in lemming yeah, these, yeah. Are, these are games i played on the mega drive and the snes they're not games i played on the amiga so i really want to want to keep it to like games i only really played on the amiga or i've actually kind of experienced and really enjoyed it and kind of say what what made me enjoy it about it and like kind of compare it a little bit because i think most of these games have got other versions of them but why i particularly enjoyed the amiga version if that makes sense Yeah, so it's not
2: all full exclusives, but it's, uh, you know, ones where the system kind of shined.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Yeah. Why don't we start with you then, Joe?
1: Give us your number five. So once upon a time, (laughs) uh, around about 2010, 2011, um, a friend of mine got a new boyfriend who had moved into uh, the local area. And I went over to meet him and uh, went for dinner out with them and everything, a bit of a double date. And then I went back and we found out we were both really into uh, retro games. And he asked if I'd ever played Amiga. And I was like, this guy
0: sounds like a moron. He
1: sounds like an absolute idiot, this guy. (laughs) And uh, I was was just like, oh, Amiga. Yeah, yeah, I think I know Amiga. So he hands me this controller with just, just one button and a stick on it and pulls his out as well. He goes, let's play a bit of this. And he puts micro machines on. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I ended up playing Micro Machines, drinking cider all night with Dan. <laughs>
0: <And> <laughs> that first date, and wasn't I think it, it was
1: our first date, Dan. And uh, I, I just, I remember, I just remember really enjoying it. it we sat in your, it was when you had your little flat still. Yeah. So when Dan you first, when Dan first moved to Nottingham, you had like a like a one bedroom flat, but then with like a tiny little cupboard, didn't you, as your office? Yeah. And I remember it was just like hunched over the Amiga screen playing Micro Machines, and I remember thinking like like how, one how am i playing it with such precision with this like, little stick <laughs> but it worked really well like i like micro machines for the mega drive and stuff but i just i re- really remember enjoying it playing it with the controller you gave me with the stick and i remember yeah, i think it was a zip stick i gave him ravi and a zip stick
2: well, joystick. well that's the thing as well because like joysticks on consoles as well people really turn their nose up at it. yeah uh, the- but there was a whole generation before that uh Love their joysticks.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, you can get joysticks on the Mega Drive and the NES and SNES and stuff, but they're just they just I don't think they suit it too well. And it just the fighting sticks really are. Yeah, there, fighting sticks console, yeah. and stuff. But yeah, I remember it really, 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 really enjoying playing micro machines with you. And I remember it just running really well. Mm. Like really, really, really well. Being smooth and just it, like the look of it now when I think of micro machines, I always think of the Amiga version like graphically. And I just remember having such a good time on it. And you know, I kind of forgot about that. Like that like I know that sounds really silly, but I kind of forgot about that night, probably because we were so drunk. But I just remember really enjoying it.
0: And I don't think I've played Micro Machines since actually. So we should do it again. <laughs> yeah. It's always my kind of go to party game. Mm. Yeah, whenever we've gone to like, uh, I haven't played it for quite a while though, actually, but I do remember vividly, I think it was at the Amiga show we went to in Peterborough, Ravi, where you <laughs> we're up on stage and you said, uh, Dan challenges anyone in here to a game of Micro Machines. <laughs> and I think I had a banging hangover from the night before. I was oh, what do you say that for? <laughs> the people coming over to me. I think I lost about three
2: games, but yeah,
0: that was, yeah, I mean, me and my brother used to play that loads. So, so, so
2: if you like Micro Machines, I think it's got that great competitive kind of, you know, yeah. um, oh, yeah. co-op play sitting around. There's another one called Skid Marks as well, that I think yeah. you'd
1: really like, Joe. Yeah, I know Skid Marks. Be. Yeah, yeah. Skid Marks on the Mega Drive and stuff as well. But I've not played it for the, obviously, for the Amiga.
0: Uh, one thing I love about Micro Machines as well, I mean, for people that haven't played it, it's a, kind of an overhead racer, isn't it? You, yeah. you play versus mode or you play against computer. And the idea is that you've got to kind of get the other player off the screen, haven't you? Yeah. So you've got you've got to go really quickly, get to the edge of the screen before them, so the screen scrolls and they die. Um, there, there are other levels as well, like there's a, a tank one where you can shoot each other, but mainly it's around that... Um, mm you know, who can get to the edge of the screen the quickest. And then you get little um, light of bulbs at the bottom of the screen. I think whoever gets to five, I think, at his first wins a game. Yeah. So it's very much, a, yeah, kind of edge of seat game, isn't it? Where yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of shouting, like, oh my God. Yeah, if you go when they've only like got, like,
1: one. one more light to light up. And you're just like, yeah. like you say, on the edge of you see it, and you do. You get rowdy playing micro machines. It, it's a game that really gets me really like, like I say, rowdy. It's, it's a pub game, game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, great choice, that Joe. Um, so what's your number five then, Ravi? Uh, mine, number five is an
2: interesting title. It it, it was ported for other systems, but uh, uh, and it got like later on, it got very popular. But mine, SimCity. So SimCity 2000 was a shocking port for the Amiga. It wasn't very good, hard to run. And I always saw that and I thought that was the most addictive title ever. But, you know, this opened the world of strategy to me. I used to spend a whole time uh, building cities in deluxe paint. You know, I'd draw cities, I'd draw towns, like little roadways and stuff like that. And then I finally found this game where I could actually draw it and it grew and there was like traffic on it and you know um areas would get classier and there'd be like disasters. I it, it looking at it now, SimCity One, it looks so basic and it's kinda like, I don't know, you know, if you showed this to a kid today, they'd probably think, how can this be entertaining in any way? But a lot of these early games, you know, that you still had that aspect of imagination in it. And I think, like, you know, you'd have a block, a residential block that you put in, and it would just be, like, a colour green, and it would say, ah. Oh. <laughs> but I'd imagine, yeah. like, a green area that people were going to move into and then suddenly populate it, you know. And um, it, it just, I don't know, it had, like, a feel of a personality in there. Uh, I loved the editable terrain as well. The fact that you could destroy stuff, you know, you you play a lot of games and the world set out for you and you're not building the world from scratch, you know, where this one you're building it from scratch. You're, you're making mistakes, you're changing them, you're improving stuff. And uh, just that whole kind of concept I hadn't got before until I played this. And this really introduced me like to the world of Maxis that, that then I went into a train as well. And I went later into civilization and colonization and stuff, but Sim City, the original one, was uh, on the Amiga 2000 I used to play. That was like, you know, the gateway drug to get me into <laughs> strategy games.
0: It's interesting because um, obviously I knew about those games. I'd read about them in magazines and all saw that they got really well reviewed. But it was a genre that I never really got into. You know, I used to play adventure games. But, but I, I play bet you you would games. play
2: Theme Park there.
0: Yeah, I was going to say Theme Park was probably the only one that I really spent any time on. Yeah. Um, on the Amiga, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm well aware of the reputation of these games. And again, it's something that I'd kind of like to get into because I just know how well regarded they are. Yeah. So, And obviously, you know, Sim City. I mean, God, the, the amount of follow-up sequels and spin-offs that Spawn. I mean, the Sims came out of that game, didn't it? Which well, well,
2: well it? a lot of it would yeah. also be because you had a, a brother that was closer to your age, so you could play, like, games together, you know, where I have a much older brother, so I was looking... Uh, he wasn't into computers either. So I was looking for solo kind of, you know, um, yeah. games and stuff like that. And this just, you know, totally
0: grabbed my whole imagination. Yeah, legendary game. So uh, for my number five, and again, like I said, this list is scientific. This is my <laughs> my uh, my fifth most played Amiga game of recent years. And it is Z-Wolf 2. Oh, wow. I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, I was a two. Now... Yeah, Z-Wolf, I mean, if, you, uh, if you're not familiar with this game, it was, I was going to say it was a later Amiga game, but it came out in 1995. So I guess it was kind of after the Amiga's kind of heyday, if you like, you know, the, the PlayStation was kind of coming along by then, Commodore had gone bankrupt. And um, the reason I, I really got into this game is I got it for Christmas. And I remember spending loads of time on this game back in the day, and I revisited it a couple of years ago. So if you haven't played it before, it's a bit like, I'd say, cross between... Um, something like Desert Strike and maybe a game like Virus you know you've kind of got those 3D kind of polygon graphics mm. but it's uh, it's mission based a bit like Desert Strike so um, the first one you'll have to go and destroy you know your first mission might be destroy three tanks so you've got to go do that then the next one you have to go destroy a building and rescue people and it's, bring them it's, back to it's the, in the base. It's a lot
2: more advanced though isn't it it's like Desert Strike had that whole 2D thing like Z-Wolf mm. really like pulled it hard on the 3D in it you're right, it has more of a PlayStation-y feel or a kind of 3D environment feel than uh, something like Desert Strike, which was a bit just flat, if you know what I mean.
0: And the thing is, I mean, I, I the original game, um, I got a Z-Wolf 1 and 2, actually, for Christmas one year. Uh, must have been like some sale on in, like, you know, electronics boutique or something when my mum picked it up. But it ran really quite slowly on my Mega 500 or 1200, whatever. Yeah, 1200 I would have had by then. I remember kind of chugging along a little bit. Um, Because obviously it was those 3D kind of graphics and I only had a stock Amiga 1200. Uh, But playing it today on like an O30 accelerator, it runs really smoothly. And it kind of, you know, feels like what the game should have been like originally. And one thing I really like about Z-Wolf, particularly the second game, is I think the handling on the helicopter is really, really responsive. I've tried playing stuff like, uh, you know, Lander on the Acorn Archimedes or Virus and I always found them impossible to control. You know, I'd smash it into the floor every few seconds. But Z-Wolf, I, I find, you know, in terms of handling your helicopter, it feels very similar to Desert Strike in that regard, I think. It just plays really smoothly. The accuracy
2: um, of it, like...
0: Yeah. yeah. And I, I love the fact as well, you, can, you know, you can shoot, like, the trees and they set on fire and, you know, things like that. And there's some nice little touches. It is It is much
2: more like... I used to play Castle Master, which was, mm. uh, you know, one of the, the 3D titles and stuff. And it is so much more developed than those, isn't it? It's like, you yeah. know, they really put some effort into this
0: one. I mean, the the view distance is quite short. You know, you'll often kind of, you know, it draws things as they come into the screen because, you know, it's 3D graphics. But um, yeah, the second game in particular, it's got some really nice big missions in there as well. And it's just a really interesting game. So it is one that I've been uh, playing again over the last couple of years. So that is my number five, Z-Wolf 2, Wild Justice, if you want the full title. So uh, what's your number four, Joe?
1: I'm going to go for Simon the Sorcerer. Yes, nah. because <laughs> it's, one, it captivated probably the me the second most on the A500 yesterday. I just found myself like proper sinking my teeth into it and playing it. Um, Had a few drinks last night with my missus. And as it turns out, she's a big and the Sorcerer fan, which I never knew. And I can't remember how we figured that out, but it was a couple of months ago. And I think I was talking to her about the A500 Mini coming out. And she mm-hmm. said, like, oh, I hope Simon the Sorcerer is on it. And it just, like, blew my mind. I was like, oh. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean you hope Simon the Sorcerer is on it? And she was like, oh, yeah, we had it as a kid. My mum had an Amiga. And I was just, like, really blown away but really disappointed that, like, I'd never been told this. Me, and my, me <laughs> and my wife, we've been together for 16 years in, like, two weeks. And, like, just the fact that she'd never told me that ever. You're like, just, this is important information. This Why is it important information, and is yeah. That's first date information, yeah, really. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> like a break, you yeah. know, we, we loaded up, say loaded up, it's instant, but we went on Simon the Sorcerer yesterday. And uh, yeah, she's just like, I'm playing it and like, you get to the blacksmith, which is like the second screen. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, you can't talk to him yet. Yeah, he won't do anything for you right now. It's just going to say like, he's muscly. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, you got to come back later on, give him something can get an anvil, and you get an anvil off him or you give him an anvil. She's like, I can't quite remember. And I was like, what the hell like kind of thing and like I spoke to him and it does it just says like oh he's quite busy he's very muscular and I was like what and so I'm playing it and I'm walking around she's like giggling at me and like my wife was laughing and then she started like getting voice notes of her sister and it was her sister like oh wait until he gets to this bit on Simon the Sorcerer and I was just like <laughs> oh, wow. what is actually <laughs> happening right now like why is this is like this like Simon the Sorcerer like Family thing going on with my wife.
0: <laughs> yes. Tell been
1: me been this. Told
2: Did you um, enjoy the backgrounds and the graphics? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I there. thought
1: I thought it looked really, really good. Obviously, it reminded me massively of the Discworld games. But mm. yeah. d- Simon and Sorcerer probably came first. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I um, think it was first. But you know, I kind of like I missed, you know, Secret of Monkey Island and stuff like that. I didn't. I didn't really play many of those point and click adventure games um i mainly played the ones which came out on the ps1 like broken sword and stuff like that and probably didn't give them the time i should you know that they deserve kind of thing so sorry because as a kid and you know you want to go shoot stuff and stuff like that instead but i was really enjoying simon the sorcerer last night but we got about an hour into it i think it was an hour and 33 minutes when i saved it on the like save state on the a500 and i was like right i've had too much to drink and i've and i've, I've lost i'm lost now like i'm not too sure where i'm going so I'll probably revisit it, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it looked really good. Um, I looked up a guide on YouTube and saw that the PC version had speech. You know, hey, the, it
0: was the CD32 version on the Amiga had speech as well. Yeah, yeah, because my
1: yeah. missus said she's like, I'm sure I played a version of this with speech on as well. And then her sister was like, oh, yeah, mum bought it for the PC when we eventually got a PC. So, But my, my wife was like... And that was yeah.
2: Chris Barry, um, Rimmer, our friend. Yeah, Wolf, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Jan- Dan told me that today, actually, earlier on today. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the look of it. Obviously, I get to taking the mick out of it. I was like, Harry Potter. <laughs> like but yeah, I know it was good. Um, I'll definitely revisit that one. Did you like the pace?
2: Um, or was it too
1: slow? It was probably a little bit slow. Obviously, there's a, the degree of clunk to it. Yeah. Like, you know, some of the newer ones. I say newer ones. Some of the later Walking ones. Walking into
2: the backgrounds, I found the depth in there is quite tough sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, just kind of like the... Um, what's the word like the hub if you will because it kind of like you want to click on something but you're like you got to click use or talk to or you don't just click on it whereas some of the older ones you would just go up to it and click on it does that make sense yeah like whereas with this it's like okay you've got like what like 12 different things at the bottom of your screen that you can pick to do kind of thing like open like so you go up to like the drawers and you would have thought you'd just click on it but it's like, it's some drawers. So you have to click open and then like, like, you found some scissors and then you have to click pick up. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not, I keep saying newer ones, but if I remember rightly, like in the disc, I could be wrong, but in the disc world games, you would just click on it and that's it. You've, you take the scissors out of the drawer, you know, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I think adventure game interfaces definitely simplified over the years. At first, they were a little bit too clunky sometimes. Yeah, I think in yeah. some of those earlier games. But it is- like I, I, there was a game called Universe I used to play, and I revisited that recently. And there's something like you know, f- for example, you've got use and you've got insert. Yeah. So, and you go to a cash point in it, you think it'd be insert card, but it's not. It's use card on the cash point. So a lot of things like that that you know are not always intuitive. Yeah.
2: <laughs> even before that, you had to type it in, which was even oh, worse. Yeah,
0: exactly. to try and find everything, Yeah. <laughs> So will you be playing the new Simon the Sorcerer that comes out in March? Uh, Simon the Sorcerer I, I do, yeah.
1: Go for it, yeah. let's do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. 28th of March that comes out, so yeah, good choice. So uh, number four from you, Revy.
2: Mine is, uh, it's, it's a kind of mix, but um, it's Gloom Deluxe, um, which nice. was, it was an amazing title, and it was very interesting because I think it suffered a lot uh, from... One having a really crap name, Gloom, which blatantly sounds like a cheap shit version of Doom, <laughs>
0: like the, or it sounds like a wet
2: Monday morning. Yeah, Gloom. Gloom yeah. yeah, it's not the it's not the best, but I and it also had really bad presentation. Like there's this awful intro which has got this really bad hand drawn animation. Um, but you know, as an FPS and as a world that you could explore, it's really good fun, and I enjoyed going around it, and I still want to go around that world um i'd like to see it in a bit of a better engine so uh there's that dread game at the moment um which has just an absolutely amazing engine if i i've also seen that there's um alien breed 3d recreations that are being done in unity and stuff i would love to play gloom in one of those like one of the funnest experiences i had was at uni uh where we had we had um an amiga tower and i had a f- think at 040 in there and my mates were like what's this well you've turned up with this old computer? years old computer at university we're all using pentium 4s and that and doing you know all this kind of stuff and i said oh there's some cool games in it and they all got into gloom and we used to play gloom split screen on it it would run really well and there was this big section where this huge bloke turns up and he fires like balls out of his belly and, like, people would be screaming as they're playing it, like, kill him, kill him.
0: <laughs> like, it was a really... It's when you get those big, like, mechs that come out as well, and they got like... Brow! Yeah, that was it, the mechs, like that. yeah.
2: Like, and God, I remember um, there was a DJ who was quite famous on Radio 1 called DJ Q, who did, like, UK Garage, and we used to call the big mech yeah. DJ Q. So, like, <laughs> DJ Q's coming, shit. <laughs> It was really good fun. But uh, that whole world of gloom, like, I know the level's off by heart, and... I'd love to re-enter it again, maybe in a new way. And I have played it recently as well, actually. So uh, it's, it's a really good FPS title and it stands on its own in a time where a lot of FPS titles were just literally trying to impress with tech and didn't have that many elements of gameplay in there.
0: Yeah, there's lots of fun. I mean, it's uh, I had that on the CD32, the original version, which was it's quite pixelated. But if you play Gloom Deluxe, which is a version with nicer graphics, isn't yeah, it? and you can change um, the
2: scaling in there and stuff, yeah, uh, if you've got more power.
0: Which today, I mean, yeah, you can do it full screen on like you know, uh, the A500 Mini, for example. Oh, yeah, we we used, used to play Asian, it in like hours. half a
2: window,
1: you know. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I tried to play Alien Breed 3D yesterday, yeah. And it made me feel a bit motion sick. Alien
2: Breed like, 3D, I'm afraid to me, I think it's appalling. Like I know uh, a lot it, of people it think was. it's one a uh, great game. I think it's absolute Honestly, trash. Honestly, yeah. I was
1: playing it and I was just like, I don't want to offend anybody right now, but I thought it was trash. I was like, it looks yeah. horrendous. I like well, it. Was Alien the Alien Breed.
2: Breed titles are great, but yeah, um, I, I enjoyed it. Alien Breed 3D. Alien was, 3D. Yeah. I was just
1: like, Oh, what is going yeah. on? And I, I even texted Dan and said, No wonder you've only ever completed a few games, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's,
0: yeah. But yeah. Alien Breed 3D 2, the Killing Grounds, was, was really good. Um, but that was, you needed, that came out in 1996, and even the fastest Amiga at the yeah. time couldn't play it but, properly. But then I still, so I still feel it's not a
2: patch on Gloom. Like <laughs> Gloom's fun, isn't yeah, it? Gloom's yeah, Gloom's got the playability and the kind of, you know, just running around chaos body parts everywhere, where that feels yeah, like, on messy mode. ooh, I've got dynamic
0: <laughs> lighting. Ooh, yeah. but it's running really <laughs> slow. <laughs> 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 yeah, I love Gloom. Definitely another good party game, that one. Yeah. Uh, so for my number four scientifically proven again number four on my list is uh, cannon fodder oh right great there, which yeah. um probably doesn't need any introduction It came out on pretty much everything back in the day didn't it? it's it been released it, on super nintendo mega drive it was one, Jaguar. Of, the, it was one of those
1: games i could have cheated on i could have just sat here and talked about cannon fodder but the reality is yeah. i haven't played the amiga version so w- what makes the amiga version stand out from like it's it's Drag prime
2: version? to me it's it's you know what it is it's the mouse interface for me mm. Hmm. Yeah, I think that the uh, controller, you just can't play Cannon Fodder with a controller.
0: Yeah, I've tried it on the 3DO. It's, you know, it's not quite as responsive, you know, it's better with a mouse. Um, But yeah, I mean, Cannon Fodder was originally an Amiga game, so it came out on the Amiga first. And uh, yeah, that was, I I mean, when I was a kid, that's the only version I ever played um, on the Amiga. But I think you play any of the other versions, like the Jaguar version and stuff like that, there's not really much between them. They're all very similar, really. They're all pretty much the same game. But I just think in terms of, um, you know, some people call it a strategy game, but it's not really. It's more a shoot 'em up isn't it, really? It's just, I, I love the gameplay style of it. And it is quite challenging as well, especially when you get onto the later levels and you've got to kind of break your squad up and, um, you know, different weapons that you can collect and stuff like that. So, Oh, with, again, with the vehicles,
2: the helicopters in there. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. you know. And then you get onto number two, and that's even even tougher, you know, yeah. Uh, and there's so many vehicles in that, like little Jeeps and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I just love, I mean, I've always quite liked games where you control small little characters like that, you know, like Lemmings I loved as well. So I think, you know, there's something about those small little graphics as well that I, I always quite liked about Cannon Fodder. And obviously it's from Sensible Software, so you've got that kind of crossover style with, um, you know, like Sensible Soccer, that kind of thing, that mini kind of cartoony look to them. Um, And even I remember getting the, the cover disc on Amiga Format for Christmas, you know, the Cannon Fodder crossover where you actually you've got the soldiers from cannon fodder and you've got to shoot the uh the football players from sensible soccer so yeah just a great game and again one that i can revisit today and obviously i do you know it's, it's always good for a, a few hours to kill Um the second game i didn't get into as much though i always find that one a bit weird it was wasn't it set in like some alien, alien world?
2: world yeah and then yeah. It, it kind of felt like it was trying to get into chaos engine territory or something mm. um yeah, I know what you mean. N- number one was a pure classic, like everything about it, you know, even that roll call of when your troops have died and you get that roll yeah. call and you're like, my fallen troops, I remember when he died, you know. It's like,
0: yeah. And obviously the music as well. I mean, the first time I loaded that up on my Amiga and I heard singing, you know, in the intro music, I was yeah. like, wow, you know, I don't think I'd ever heard a video game with singing in it before in the, in the music. So, um, yeah, definitely a classic and one that I do revisit today. Yeah, so that's kind of of my number four. So number three then, Joe, what are you going to go for? So we're uh, going to kind of start to
1: reveal some memories here now where it's all kind of coming back to me. So uh, it's going to be Battle Chess, yes. which, you know, it's <laughs> just, I guess, fun- fundamentally, it's just a game of chess <laughs> with, with, with you know, great graphics and, you know, funny animations and stuff. But my next door neighbours growing up, they never had game consoles, but they were my friends who I'd go play you know, make believe with and toys and play in the garden with and stuff like that. You know, you'd be Batman, I'd be Superman, etc. But I always remembered they had a computer in their front room, like under the stairs. You know, you imagine like a typical British home, like they've got like the under the stairs bit, like in the front room or whatever in the dining room, and they had a computer set up under there. You know, I used to always think it was really odd that it was a massive white keyboard with a floppy disk, which go in the side of the keyboard. And I've only recently figured out that it was an Amiga. (laughs) You know, looking back. So we used to play quite a few games on that. And one of the games we would always play was Battle Chess. And it kind of came back to me yesterday that like, oh wait, I'm quite familiar with this game. And we used to just sit there and play it trying to get all the different animations. Like we wanted to see like what would happen if the queen took the queen, what would happen if the king took, you know, like all these different, you know, different things. What would happen if the pawn took the bishop and everything like that, and I remember is writing them down on pieces of paper, <laughs> you know, like, ticking off <laughs> if we'd seen the animation, and yesterday, like, my wife was just like, this is really boring to watch you play chess, Joe, like, I was literally just playing, like, I played, like, two games of chess one after the other, and I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to say I lost to the A500 <laughs> both, both games. <laughs> oh, I don't think
0: I ever beat the Amiga um, when I used to play
1: Battle chess You know, I even put it on Novice
0: for my second game.
1: Mm. And I did rage quit after it took my queen. I was just like, "Oh, I'm turning this off."
0: <laughs> like, and you know-, you know, that game though, because, because what I think is really good about it, cause I used to play it as a kid. Me and my brother actually used to uh, when we got like a second. You know, I got my Mega twelve hundred and kept my five hundred. Mm. We used to network them together. Oh, nice! So we'd run like a we'd run like a network cable out our bedroom windows. So we play battle chess in separate rooms uh, against each other. Um, but I think that's a great game for getting kids into chess, isn't it? Yeah. Because of the, obviously, the death moves in the animation. It makes yeah, it be like more like of an action game. Cool yeah, it chess is
2: cool now. It was yeah. always cool, but um, it was cooler to have animations. Yeah.
0: Good choice then. So um, number three for you then, Ravi. So mine was uh, a very
2: late Amiga game. It came out in 2001. It was called Payback. And uh, Payback was... Uh, A technical achievement, but also uh, an amazing game. Like GTA came out for the PlayStation and everybody wanted to play on that. So one Amiga guy decided to make it himself, uh, James Bradley. uh, I think that's his name. And he ended up um, making a clone of GTA called Payback. But Payback's totally different as well. It's it's weird because he's from Britain. So he's got no kind of like, you know, he's got his view of America. And um, it's one of the only games that's set in America where you drive on the left-hand side of the road, which is quite funny. Um, amazingly, it would work on like quite like low-spec Amigas. Um, you know, you could run it on an O forty. 40 But as you got extra features and you added on stuff there, you could get faster versions. You could run it in warp 3D. Um, it also supported four-player um, deathmatch, which you could play over lan which is pretty awesome to to do a deathmatch. match i've not actually seen one of them set up and that'd be really cool but another thing that i loved that came on later in the amiga life was like user generated content and you could create your own maps in this um so there was loads of maps available for it i remember downloading maps playing on them uh, there was an update that came out for it there was even an update that was released like last month of it And it's one of these titles that was in the late Amiga world. Not many people know about it, but it was very impressive. It went onto the Mac. uh, It got ported to the Game Boy Advance. Um, He's done Payback 2 now, and that's on the iPad. Um, So, yeah, really, really solid title,
0: that. Yeah, definitely. Big technical achievement running that on an Amiga, wasn't Yeah, and it was was fun fun as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I played it a few times. I think it's it's one of those games I probably need to spend a bit more time with. You need to I play it with it the audio
2: nicely. CD soundtrack, and everybody uses right. a pirated version that doesn't have that, and it just changes the entire game. You know. Ah, okay.
0: Yeah, because I played it before, and it feels quite quiet. Yeah, no. Yeah, but you, you, uh, you have, <laughs> it's like GTA.
2: Whenever you get in a car, you've
0: got a band playing, and they've got all these right. custom tunes in there. It's really cool. Nice one. So my number three, and uh, this is actually a, a free game. Actually, it was a shareware game. And this is Deluxe Gallagher. Oh, yes, classic.
2: That is, yeah.
0: Now, I love the original Gallagher. Um, used to play that at my local seaside arcade back in the mid 90s. I had some old cabinets, you know, from the early 80s still left over there. And uh, I think that was like 10p ago. And obviously, you know, I love the movie War Games, and he plays Gallagher in that. So Gallagher's always been like, you know, if not my favorite shoot 'em up, definitely up there. But Deluxe Gallagher, I think, is probably the best version of Gallagher I've ever played. Now this was made by um, a guy called Edgar. I think it's Vidgaldi. Did he do deluxe him, Pac-Man Vidal? as well? He did. Yes. Yeah, those. Were, he my did up, a really, which list, again is yeah. probably the best version of Pac-Man I've played yeah, as well. Same. And these were shareware games. Unfortunately, Edgar passed away in 2015, but he did do like lots of updates for these games over the years. And this, I remember getting it on the on the cover of a magazine. It was on a magazine cover disc, and just being blown away that this was a shareware game because you know this it could have easily released this as a commercial title. Mm. It was way better than a lot of the commercial shoot mob games that I played on the Amiga. And the 75 levels in it. I mean, you play the AGA version. There's some beautiful graphics in there. It kind of does stick to the original Galaga gameplay style, you know, as in like the, the enemies can come down and capture your ship. But you get so many kind of power-ups and weapons and bonuses. And there's, you know, just different stuff in the game that really adds a whole new dimension to it as well. And it's just a great, fun game to play. Uh, and actually, you know, a lot of shooting-up games I find really difficult. But Deluxe Gallagher I can actually, you know, spend quite a bit of time with because I think it's always quite fair if it knows you're getting hammered, it will drop down a few, like, extra lives and stuff like that yeah. to kind of keep the player in the game a bit longer than you might otherwise. And um, there is actually a more modern version of it that you can play today on um, iOS and on the PC as well called Warblade. Okay. Um, that um, Edgar released just before he passed away um, in 2015. So, uh, yeah, in terms of shoot 'em up games, I mean, that is definitely my favorite on the Amiga. I really liked and, how
2: they were visiting the old arcade classics and then redoing them as PD games on the Amiga yeah. for a while. There's a whole scene of that, and it was great. Yeah.
0: Yes, everyone should have a Deluxe Gallagher and a Deluxe Pac Man, you know, that kind of go hand in hand um, installed on your Amiga Compact flash card. Really good games. So, uh, top twos then. Number two, Joe.
1: So, another game. I realised that we've been playing on the uh, the Amiga, and not realising it was Amiga, is Worms. Um, so my first experience of playing Worms, once again, next door neighbours, on the big clunky keyboard, I used to think of it, um, absolutely, I mean, what can, what can I say about Worms that's not been said before, you know, absolutely iconic game, came out like cannon fodder on everything, and I've probably played almost every single port of Worms, but it kind of comes back down to what Ravi was saying earlier on. It's, it's, you got to play it with the mouse. It's best to play it with the mouse. It's so clunky on like the mega drive and the snares and, you know, the PlayStation, you got the cutscenes and stuff like that. But being able to play with the mouse is, I think is just the, the way forward, obviously. Well, the best way. And also it blew my mind that we could name our worms and save it. You know, <laughs> yeah. and kind of carry on with our team and, you know, naming our worms after ourselves, you know, after me and my next door neighbor, his little brother and my brother, was like mind-blowing like oh my god that's me is that worm and i remember going home and drawing you know drawing levels for worms and like what we were going to do like we're going to drill down into the ground and put girders over the top of it we
2: we just used to download porn and then put it on the background (laughs) So it'd just be, like, blowing up boobs and stuff. Where's that
1: five-year age difference? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's fantastic. We never did that. But, like, literally, my friend, you know, because you could, like, you could generate, like, levels and stuff like that, and he'd sit there trying to come up with, like, the best level generator and, you know, you know to kind of play on and stuff like that. And, yeah, I just, I remember there was a brief period where I must have been about six or seven years old because it came out in 1995. And like, like I say, I was born in 89, so it must have been about seven maybe. And uh, I remember just being obsessed with Worms. And just in my head, whenever I thought of that memory, it was always just, we played it on the PC. We played it on a computer, you know, when we went to Adam and Martin's next door. But, you know, looking back, especially since kind of playing the A500 and just kind of like doing a bit of research on the Amiga and trying to get into it. I was like, we were playing it on the Amiga and it was really fun. So that's, my number well, two. that's where it started, yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, Worms was originally, I think it was, uh, there was, it was a competition Wormage, in them.
1: Um,
0: yeah, yeah, there was a competition, wasn't there, in Amiga format to, like, you know, someone program a game and Team 17 will release it. And I don't think that actually won, but they released it anyway. And then I think the version that you probably played on the A500 Mini, I think it's Worms a Director's Cut, mm. which was kind of um, Team 17's goodbye present to the Amiga. It was like the best one they,
2: before Armageddon, yeah.
0: Yeah. And they put that out in 1997. Oh, wow. And I think the only... so I mean, it was literally just, a you know... Thank it's like a love, a community. Kind of, love yeah. story
2: yeah. kind of thing, you know. Yeah.
0: And I think they only sold about like 2,000 copies a bit or something by then. But um, yeah, it's a really good version of it. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, Worms are classic. What more can we say about that? Number two for you then, Ravi, what you got? Uh, number two, I have Tower 57, which
2: is a game that I've been playing recently, which came out for Morphos and Amiga OS 4, but also came out on the PC... And at the moment, it's one pound fifty seven on Steam, so I think that's absolute bargain worth getting. It's it's one of these later titles that many people don't know about, but um, it's beautiful and it still shows the kind of development in the Amiga scene. It's it's like Chaos Engine, um, mm. like a modern indie title as well, with like destructible environments and stuff. It just pays beautifully. It's got some wicked concepts. Really good replayability factor as well because you can select multiple characters, uh, kind of like GTA. You've even got a home in there and stuff. You've got your own hotel room. And yeah, it's just, I've been playing it all day today actually. And uh, yeah, I've, I've got further than I've ever got in it and I'm determined to complete it and stream it
0: on Twitch. Really good game, Tower 57, underrated. Yeah, I played that on Morphos probably about six, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, I, I saw the Canon fodder comparisons as well if you're if you're a big fan of chaos engine sorry yeah. Yeah. yeah if you're a fan of chaos engine i mean you'll love this game and there's a lot more to it i think it's a bit more of an involved game than chaos engine oh yeah um yeah. but I'm, I'm looking at it. it's on the humble bundle website right now for 92 pence yeah just so, get uh, it yeah very, it's worth very, very it cheap. yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> good one so uh my number two uh, i'm gonna go for uh well the second one on my list here which is uh, lotus 3 Lotus 3, is my oh, second yes. yeah. most played Amiga game in recent years. Now this is interesting that I choose this one to play these days. Now obviously the Lotus games, there was three of them. Lotus Esprit Turbo Challenge, Lotus 2, then Lotus 3, the Ultimate Challenge. It was always Lotus 2 that I'd play back in the day. Because uh, I got that, it was uh, just on one disc and a really nice fast arcade racer. Kind of like a, a very similar kind of gameplay to something like OutRun but nice graphics, great music as well. Then Lotus 3 came out, and I remember being one of the first kids at school to have a copy of that game. Didn't play it all that much back then because I had my Amiga 500 Plus, and I found that Lotus 3 kind of struggled a bit on it. So if you played like the, there's a, a future level where you kind yeah, of go over. I think over it was because it had that map
2: editor as well, didn't it? That, uh, it yeah, but it, a had, bit, you know?
0: it had intelligence in there as well, like uh, the, the Rex kind of map editor. So, we, you know, you could change the amount of hills and courses and all that kind of stuff, which kind of for a lot of people overcomplicated it a little bit. But I think for me, it was just trying to play some levels on there, like the future level in there where you'd go over certain parts of the road and you get a turbo boost and there was lasers, there was a bit too much going on on the screen, Mm -hmm. and you'd notice slowdown and frame drops and everything, whereas Lotus 2 always ran, like, buttery smooth, you know, never saw any slowdown on that. So it would always be Lotus 2 that I'd play back then. But now today, having, you know, a more souped-up Amiga with a faster CPU and loads of extra RAM in there, it runs, you know, as well as Lotus 2 did. And I think I prefer, like, the soundtrack on... um, Lotus 3, and there's more levels in there as well. Um, there's like a third car that you can play with. And that kind of Rex editor of making your own courses is actually really good fun in two-player mode as well. So I think, you know, today that is generally the version that, you know, obviously I, I go to instead of Lotus 2. Um, Lotus 3, the ultimate challenge. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the Lotus series to me are, are the best racing games on the Amiga. And, um, yeah, if I'm going to pick one today, it will be the third one, which uh, quite surprised me because I still love number two much more back then. So what's your number one then, Joe? Give us your top Amiga game.
1: So this, so I'm going to admit it, I've only played it on emulation. And it was a recommendation from Ravi a couple of months ago because I only played the Mega Drive version for the first time. And then Ravi was like, you need to play the Amiga version. So go play this. And I managed to uh, emulate it in browser. Um, (laughs) uh, Turrican. Yes. (laughs) So I went for Turrican for my number one. And... You know, people might be like, boo, for saying this, but it was because it was the one that felt most like a console game to me. Like, yeah, it felt saying. it
2: felt one of the most complete games
0: for the Amiga, definitely. Yeah, it felt like yeah, a... I don't think anyone would boo you, Joe. It's, yeah, very popular. It's
1: really, really, like, complete. Like, I think that's a really good way of saying it, Ravi. A really complete game. You know, you've got all the different weapons that you can cycle through. You know, like your laser guns and... Uh, there, well, I was going to say flamethrower, but that is the laser gun on there, isn't it? But you spread shot and everything like that. You know, I think it's one of those games where it's got really precise controls and it's like, if you miss a jump or whatever or, you you know, you die, it's because you suck. It's not because of the game. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And you're like, you know, I might get booed for this, but I felt like on some of the Amiga games, like I really tried to play Zool and I really wanted to like Zool. I really didn't like Zool. (laughs) I hated the slipperiness of it and I hated the controls of it. And whereas Turrican, like I never got that feeling. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, you know, like I say, it's like an action platformer, shoot them up. Um, and just that soundtrack as well is just such a such a good soundtrack like you know I think it's quite iconic for a lot of people you know obviously the games have been re-released and released on so many different platforms and re-released recently as well and I think you know the soundtrack has a lot to play in that just a really really fun game and and like I say just kind of really close to like for me I know it sounds silly but really close to that kind of like Mega Drive
0: feel and stuff but like on the Amiga um, yeah. yeah, yeah really really enjoy Turrican I think Turrican 2 was always the one I played yeah. back in the day. That's one that we had. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you can't go wrong with the Turrican games. You know, just great arcade fun running, Yeah, isn't yeah it? exactly. Yeah. So number one then for you, Ravi, what are you going to go for? Sensible World of Soccer. It oh, I knew you would. It's the wouldn't.
2: best game ever. <laughs> like, it was the one game that surpassed the Amiga. Um, people would, you know, people with no knowledge of what computer system it was on, whatever, the Amiga version of Sensible Soccer was always what they'd go to. And even, you know, you'd have the Mega Drive versions. That All of that was crap, like, compared to the <laughs> Amiga version. And I've been playing a pack recently um, because I went to Amiga Island and we did a, a kind of Sensible World of Soccer competition. And uh, I I did some practice the day before. And I'll tell you what, it's just so much fun sitting there and Battling someone in it—it's one of these football games where there's the ball doesn't stick to your feet, and it's more about like you know skill and actually fighting for the ball and stuff, rather than like you know FIFA or something where you're just running up and you you, you know is more about the kind of experience of the player and stuff. This can, anything can happen in sensible soccer, and um, I've been playing this amazing pack called uh, Swaz Total which has come out for the PC. It's also come out for Morphos and OS4. And what it has is it has every single version of Sensible World of Soccer in there. Um, So you can pick all the rosters, like you can pick the latest one or you can go back to 1994. I, I picked, you know, 2021 and it had all the latest teams in it. Then you can pick the version of the game, like the pitch, the advertising boards on there, what the fans are shouting at, the celebrations, and then... It's also got all the bonus games in there like Canon Soccer, um, you know, all, all the kind of uh, Sensible Soccer on the Moon, all the weird hacked versions that came out. And I just think it's such a good game that, you know, I don't know, if they released a, a Sensible World of Soccer mini console that had nothing to do with the Amiga, <laughs> yeah. that would stand up on its own right and probably outsell all of the others <laughs> at the moment. I just think it's, such a, a good game and so much fun
0: and the fact that they still do you know people make fan updates for it today and the game's very open isn't it you can mod stuff and like you know change oh, yeah, yeah. and install data every year and people do tournaments for it still so uh, yeah definitely uh, you know probably the the most famous football game on the amiga and one that still has many fans today so for my number one uh, this is my most played amiga game on my cd32 and it's a game called slam tilt
2: I love Slamtale. Yes, uh, that was a great one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I I still, you know, if I just want a quick 50-minute blast on the Amiga, this is a game that I load up, and it's a a pinball simulation game. Um, Probably not the most famous pinball game on the Amiga, but I think definitely the best. And this came out quite late in the Amiga's life. It came out in 1996, so it was a couple of years, you know, after the Amiga's kind of commercial heyday um and it only works on the aga amigas as well so you need like a an amiga 1200 or a it was, for, it was to a to weird
2: period game. it was like when you know pcs and consoles and stuff had kind of got into the pinball area but they do stuff yeah. like you know sonic casino and stuff like that but they, they kind of dropped the pinball but then amiga kept going and had this like really high-end clean uh version at the end but um that
0: whole genre just kind of dropped off didn't it yeah, I mean, there are still like a few around today that I play, but nothing, you know, slam, tilt, I just think. Even though there's only a few tables, I think you know, there's three on the Amiga and four on the Windows version, hmm. um, I've got a feeling. And it's, um, but yeah, it's just everything about the game, you know, because the, the, that's important on a pinball simulator. The physics have got to be right. Yeah and it really nails could that. you I mean, shake the, the table nice in that field. one as well I think you, could, you can yeah. you, we well, you can do it yeah same as on um you know the previous games like uh pinball fantasies or dreams you can play spacebar bar and it does the nudge and if you do it too much you, you know you get the tilt <laughs> you know you, your ball then drops down you never but, felt um,
2: right playing a pinball game on a console i don't know why
0: yeah, I mean there are a couple on the Jaguar and stuff. I mean, there's you know, Pinball Fantasies isn't a bad version on the Jaguar. I've played it on there before, but these games just fuck. You had that really smooth Amiga scrolling, don't you? And I think you know these kind of games where you know you're kind of scrolling the the table up and down. You see half the table at a time, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think it's you know fantastic game and uh, one that maybe a lot of people haven't played because it came out so late in the Amiga's life. So if you're not familiar with Slam Tilt, definitely worth a look in. And it was kind of the, the last of the 21st century entertainment pinball games that came out on the machine so uh definitely worth a look in if you're a fan of pinball games so there you go been uh, interesting to finally do an Amiga episode and uh He'll be on eBay next buying like an Amiga Four Thousand. Oh yeah, spring, like don't. Like we, we've got to hook him up <laughs> one. Just
2: tiny launcher on the front, all the games, and yeah. he'll be uh, he'll be going for
1: it. Yeah. I'll be doing my taxes on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, like me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thank you so much for your continued support, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the After Hours Podcast. And we will see you on the main podcast this coming Friday. All right, I'm off to play some Amiga games. Ciao. Bye.